Oh, good morning, everybody. I see it red there. I, th I used to see it in blue. So we've, we've changed colors in, in a lot of ways. Well, so good to be with you again uh, for the second consecutive Sunday. I'm always ready to, to share, and um, I believe the Lord's got something for all of us to to consider and um, and I do know, I know that it's going to be centered all, all around the things that are going on in our in our country and in our world, but really the outcome or or the way we're affected by it is up to us. And I want to start off by sharing a dream because I think it's um, very important. And then we'll go into the actual teaching. And I believe they're related in some ways. This dream came, um, let's see, it's Sunday, early Saturday morning. It's actually given before we all got together on our Zoom call um, Saturday. And um, in the dream, I, I, I didn't type it out here because I can just tell you about it. In the dream, we... I say we, I, I saw a few people in it, and I, and I know they represent um, um, the pastoral, the apostolic, and the evangelistic office of the body here that extends out into the world. And, and in this, I, I'm just, it's kind of hard not to say, say names and stuff, so but I'm just going to say it, but each person represents something in the body. So I saw myself um, in what appeared to be the sanctuary on the platform, and there was there were messages coming out of my spirit about releasing joy, talking about joy, and then it went in from a message into like a, a song of joy. And I saw people in the um, seated in, in the pews. And, they, and, and the joy of the Lord just was all over. And um, then it transitioned. We're, we're still in, in the sanctuary. Then it transitioned to seeing a line of people coming up on the platform and, and us releasing and imparting, I say joy. It, might, it could have been some other things too, but I know the main thing that I that I saw and I heard and it was was joy being just great joy being released and pastor was there and we were praying over people and they were just the joy of the Lord was just so prominent and so all day Saturday I was thinking about this leading up to our um, our zoom meeting and you know pastor started sharing a lot of things about the uh, what he had been feeling the Lord leading us into in the fivefold and some deeper things there. And so I started to kind of connect the dots there about um, how, um, you know, the enemy is, he thinks he's got everything under his control. And I know he can hear it, but they have limitations. They will always be limited God is limitless, and so that's the big difference. And he recognizes this. I mean, he knows this. So he'll do whatever he can to try to control or dominate a city. 
And so I started thinking about the first thing that even in the dream that came to mind was how the Spirit of the Lord moved through Philip and into releasing this great joy. And I thought, okay, the enemy thinks he's got our city. He thinks he's got all these different parts of, of the world under his control and his agenda. He's sadly mistaken. Because at some point, we are going to be vessels of the megas joy being released in our city and in cities all over the world. And when that happens, I don't know the when. I just know that he identified in this. And we're going to be, I can't pull up a scripture that says we impart joy. But, you know, whenever the kingdom comes... Megas joy dominates the city. And so I wanted to read this out of Acts 8. And there's some really interesting things within here. This city, Samaria, was under the control of Simon the sorcerer, right? We all know that. And there's something... God recognized that. He did. So he sent Philip, commissioned Philip to go and, and begin to, God began to really manifest in a great way. So let's read it. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria. And what's he doing while he's there? Is he just going there to, you know, have, have a great time and hang out and say, oh, hey, I got to go to Samaria type thing. And no, he's there on a mission. And the first thing it says is, is he began to proclaim Christ. Being an anointed son unto them, unto the people that are there. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. And so here's when the kingdom begins to really manifest. Unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them. Many were taken with palsies and they, were, and they that were lame were healed. So the kingdom begins to manifest in a place where the people were convinced that Simon, he's the megas dunamis of Theos. He's controlling with megas power the entire city there. That, that's the difference in, in a, a principality versus a megas type of power. A megas power controls like a, just the city or, or locale there. Principalities are more far-reaching. And they're in heavenly places, right? This power was not in a heavenly place. It was controlling the city. We, as the saints, are called by the Lord to control where, we, where we're planted, right? And, and, and God allows these evil things to happen. He knows every little thing that's happening. And he's getting ready to begin to manifest his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, and one of the things he's going to do is he's going to be releasing megas joy into our city and into cities where the enemy is dominating right now. And I, I, I love that. But the environment in which Philip went into was very, I mean, as these unclean spirits are leaving people, what do you think Philip felt? What do you think he, was, was he numbed everything around him? I mean, what did he feel when, when people are being, um, it says they're, 
they're, they're taken by palsies. People are lame, you know. The things we see with our natural eye, he's just like us. We can look at it and go, oh, man, that, that dude, he, he doesn't have an arm. He can't make it. Or they, they're not even able to walk. They're in a wheelchair. So we can start to look at things in, 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 a, in a similar vein. I'm just saying he was human like us. He's not some superhuman that doesn't have any kind of uh, temptations or doesn't think differently. It's just he, he went into this, this sorcerer environment, this bewitching environment, but God changed it. And it says in verse 8, and there was megas joy. And, and I've just put the definition there, and I've taken it straight from, you know, past some of the pastor's books there. The ruling power of a particular territory. The controlling influence of a region. The controlling influence over a city. And when you look at it like that, maybe, you know, I remember when Pastor first started teaching about, you know, some of the deeper things with the hierarchy. And like most of you, you had no idea what he was talking about. You just sit there and you just kind of nod. You go along. You, you know I'm telling the truth. And you think, okay, I'll, I'll get it eventually. And it's very clear here. So Megas always is controlling a region and its power, right? It's translated as power. And you see Simon controlling that whole city of Samaria. Everybody's like, he's the great dunamis of God, right? So you got Megas and dunamis combined together that dominate an area. And we are taking dominion every place where the sole of our feet tread. And I'm headed this week, and I ask you to pray because I'm going to be in, 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 in California this week and for work. And they're paying all the, all the stuff, so, which is great. But when I go to these places, I'm going not just to work, but in the evenings, I'm going there to pray and intercede and, and, and really take dominion wherever, wherever the Lord allows me to go. And we all know that that particular state is in dire need of a move of his spirit and I know that there's churches that are there but and they're doing a great work but the Lord really wants to do something on a much bigger scale than we've all than we have not even imagined we know it's coming we just don't know how it's really going to begin to manifest but I think when God really begins to move there's going to be there's going to be no questioning this is the this is him because when we step foot like Philip at the directive of the Lord on a mission and go in, these things are beginning to get to manifest. And instead of, instead of despair and depression and all this other garb that the enemy releases, this type of megas joy is going to control cities all over this world. And that, that's what we see here. Now, if we keep going here, so the joy here is there's different, you know, you got words like rejoicing and joy, and this one here means this cheerfulness that just kind of rises up in people, this, this sense of delight, just like, like nothing else around you can influence you, at the, when, you when you're moving in, in megas joy. It's so delightful. It's so delightful. Somebody said, and it's just... It's an inner, th- inner uh, sensing and feeling of, man, this is just, and it doesn't seem like it's going to ever go away, even though it can kind of dissipate, but it, it kind of ebbs and flows, and high, you have highs and lows with this. But 
Verse 9, but there was a certain man called Simon who before time in the same city used sorcery and he bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, some megas one, to whom they gave heed from the very least to the greatest, saying, this man is the megas dunamis of Theos. And to him they, they had regard because that for a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Now here's also what we need to believe for. Now, I know Simon, after this, there's been speculation by theologians saying, well, he really didn't believe. He didn't. It says he believed. And the word for belief there is it stems from faith. So I'm not here to debate whether he was saved or whatever, you know, because that's, I think he was. It's just like any, any, anybody else, we can make wrong choices that lead us down another pathway if we're not careful. And that's what he did later on. But my point is here is that it says he believed, and when he was baptized, look at the response. It says he continued with Philip. And the word there is pros um, carterio, and it's, it's comprised of pros and kratos. So he was amazed and began to follow after the evangelistic nature of God within Philip. I think that's crucial. We need Simons that have controlled the region in a demonic way to turn and believe and come and follow the true evangelistic power of the Lord through his people. And then when they get to the point where they want to buy something and they, or they have a wrong, make a wrong decision and say, I want to do that and try to purchase it, then that's where we can come in in the wisdom of the Lord and say, no, that's not the way this thing works. And give direction to Simon the sorcerers. You see what I'm saying with this? This is important. The very person that controlled the region is now believing. So I'm believing for that too in this, that God will turn the hearts of those that are tapping the source in that region and turn them and begin to use them in his kingdom yes uh-huh this younger generation that, that I feel we have a responsibility to. 
And so it's just really interesting because we have such a tendency to want to understand um, the doctrine of what's coming against us when God gives us the remedy. You know, he, he gives us the remedy, like right here. Mm -hmm. What he's going to do just through his presence and his power as we go to these places and take authority on yeah, because, and, and that's good that you mentioned that, because I was face, face to face with a Wiccan this week. I'm talking about three feet apart. Seriously. And in a prison, <laughs> this dude, he said, um, and I was showing him how to use one of the tablets that we were deploying and setting up for him, and he said, uh, he said well, there's one, there's one uh, religious application you guys don't have on, on the phone that I really want. And I said, well... Well, there's the Koran for the Muslims, and there's the, the Bible. He, I said, well, which one? He said, I'm a Wiccan. So I'm like, okay, all right. So, so I mean, it's face-to-face, it's -face, but it's interesting that Philip, he did not have to say one word in this context. Not one word. Yes, sir. And that's that's what a lot of these people are doing is they they've got they've got, I mean why did he want to follow I mean I believe his gifting was he it obviously was twisted and he wasn't using it correctly and now he's he's recognizing hey man I I think he was probably called to be an evangelist just like Philip was here because well, why else is he wanting to follow after him it's like the the principle of Elisha uh, Elijah and Elisha so this one the principle is Philip and Simon. Um, just a this is this is really good, Mark, because literally this is what I've been going through on my job. The head of HR is definitely this. Well, in in these in the in these environments where we're at, we need to declare the megas joy. We control, you know, by the power of the Lord, control our city. I mean, it may not. When we say that, people are like, yeah, right. Well, you're not controlling this over here because it, the enemies. We control from the right hand in our seat at the throne, regardless of what it looks like now, the fabric and what God's going to be doing is going to change. And when his earthquake hits, it will forever change the landscape of where we live. And we're believing that earthquakes are coming. Not literally, yeah, literally they will, but spiritually, God is going to shake everything, and only the eternal is going to remain. And at some point, people are going to be so desperate. They're going to be so desperate. They're either going to come and, and join in the Lord's army, or they're going to just go on the other side. And we, you know, um, but we just need to declare great joy. If you're faced with that, I mean, we all are to some degree. Just start speaking about the, the you know, great joy, release it. Just, I mean, you, you, you can say it out loud, you know, why not? <laughs> why not say it out loud, even if you're at work? You know, I am not going to remain silent. I'm going to be obedient to uh, uh, authority structure, but I'm, I'm going to speak the truth of the Lord, because why not? I mean, 
we have a responsibility to, to do that. And it's up to us to continually r remain in a state of, I don't want to say control, that's a bad word, but just stay in a state where we're, we're functioning in a, in a kingdom mentality all the time wherever we're planted. I mean, that's us. If all I ever think about is, oh, I'm just going to say some things here that were said this past week. We're never going to be able to do this. We're never. Somebody at, getting ready to try to take over the presidency is, is declaring we're never going to be this. We're Joe Biden, Joe, did you guys watch that debate? I mean, not the debate, but the Democratic Convention? He was declaring things that we would never be able to do as a country. I'm like, you, ugh. I had my humanness started coming out. I'm going, no, that's not right. We will do this. We will. And so whenever we're faced with that malarkey from the enemy, we need to declare the great joy of the Lord is going to visit our city and our countries and all over the world. If we don't, what the enemy is trying to dominate us rather than us dominating him and what he's doing. Why not speak out? Why not? He's so rash and bold, and he's saying, spewing out all this stuff. We need to be courageous in the face of opposition, and we are. I'm not saying we're not. I'm just encouraging all of us to continue to declare the great joy, the cheerfulness, and the delight of the Lord into us and in people around us. Because what we speak is going to cause death or life, because that is in the power of our declaration, right? And where we're at in the heavens, I'm telling you, it's like when you say it, it starts to happen and begin to manifest. And people are affected by it. It really does. And so here's Simon. He believes. He's baptized. He continues walking with Philip, wondering, beholding the signs and the wonders which were done. And so that's kind of a prophetic dream that I want to release. The great joy of the Lord and our country and our people and all over the Saints Network and those that are going to be joining us in the future. Now, here comes the message. So, this past week I've really been thinking a lot about how important it is for all of us to be in agreement and to have a singularity of mission and vision. And what I mean by that is I am fed up with the enemy taking out people, good people that were with us and that have decided where they're going to go another pathway. I, I've just, I'm fed up. Just from a human perspective. That's me. And... We must be very careful, every one of us in this room. Because we can say all day long, oh, I'll never do that. And it's at that precise moment that we can do, end up just like Peter if we're not careful. If we're not careful. Yesterday, we all got to meet on a Zoom call. And it was great. But it was also kind of sad because there's some people that would normally be on there 
that are not. And they're... That, that really hurts my heart. It really does. And I'm not saying names, but those of you that know, you, you know what I'm saying here, generally speaking. Now, am, am I going to let this keep, keep me from moving? No. The hu- we are all human. And it hurts all of us. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how God feels when he sees Someone now he to- he operates totally different. So in saying this, I'm not saying how he he somehow is missing the mark here. Or he sins. He doesn't. But I wonder how he feels in his mind and in his heart when he sees someone that he's invested all this time and all this energy and all these years of training sees them begin to veer off and say, you know what? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take up this cause. This is why I'm here. I wonder how, what he feels. I wonder what he felt when he turned his, when Jesus was on the cross, dying for the sins of man, to redeem mankind back to God. And darkness covered the entire whole earth at that point. He, and he had to turn. He, he, couldn't, he couldn't. So that gives us kind of just a snippet or a glimpse into how he feels in, in crucial moments like that. And so it was great, but yet my heart was really hurting. And so what we're going to talk about this morning is so important. I believe that we, we, ha- we must adhere to being in absolute agreement and singularity of mission and vision. If we don't, we are going to be tempted to be led astray. The enemy is going to deceive the very elect. That doesn't mean all of us, but that does mean some of us. It's going to happen. It is happening. And so we're going to look at a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that I heard voices last last week were, were saying stuff about this passage in 1 Corinthians 10. And notice... It's being written to a pneumaticos people. He is not addressing people that don't know the Lord. He's not addressing the heathen. He's talking to people like us. And I know if you go back and you... I'm not looking at this from a, um, a cultural uh, context. They lived in a totally different culture. Ours is much different today. We are looking at this from a practical application of how it, fi- how it fits in our existence, how it applies to us. Now, I know we can go back and we can study about other things, but that's not, that's not the focal point. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to start verse 1. Paul writes and he says, Moreover, brethren. So he's telling us right off the bat, this is for all those that are Adelphos, and that's someone that's a brother. Somebody very closely, he's not too in a family that's knit together. He says, first thing he says is, I don't want you to be agnoeo. I mean, we, we know that term. Uh, we know it's in other places. But he's, and we know that it means to be disinclined or just to absolutely ignore information. 
or just not really care about it. Yeah, it's there, but I, I really don't think that applies to me. And sometimes, if I'm not careful, whenever I'm studying, there's this tendency for me to kind of read over and go, oh, well, that just that doesn't apply to me. You ever have that happen to you? You kind of read like, oh, just kind of skip along, not really applying what you're reading. I'm just telling you that sometimes I do that. And I know if I do that, there's a whole group of people that do the same thing, okay? So when you're reading about Pharisees, a lot of times there's a tendency to go, oh, I'm not a Pharisee, and just keep reading. Really? I think we all have tendencies inside us that can be Pharisaical or like a Sadducee. So when I'm reading, I'm always going, Lord, help me. And I ask him to help me because I can't do this on my own. Help me apply what it is that I'm seeing or what you're letting me see. And it always starts out with the eye of my spirit on the inside going, whoop, stop, right there. And I go, okay. And I'm, I'm staring at the words on the page going, okay, I need some help here, Lord. And then he starts to elaborate on it. And so I want you to notice a lot of the places the word all is used. Moses was in the wilderness with a group of people. He was leading a congregation of people in where? The wilderness. Most pastors don't even, want to, don't even go to the wilderness, right? They're just they're in, the, they're, in the, they're in the pathway of prosperity, boy. Get out of that wilderness. That's not of the Lord, right? Well, Moses stayed with the people in a long period of time, leading them through all this adversity, all these victories, all these highs, all these lows, and it was in the wilderness. So he had a congregation of people that he was shepherding. And... So it starts off saying how that all our fathers, they were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, and all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Emphasis on everybody that was in that group, in that congregation, were participants of everything that happened, right? It says all were, were under the cloud, all, were, all passed through the sea. All were baptized in the cloud and in the sea. Nobody was left out. And so I'm thinking of, of, the, of the network that God's established here and across the world. I'm thinking about all of us. We have all been participants of some of the most extraordinary times in the Lord. We've been under the cloud. We've been over the cloud. We've been in the midst of the cloud. I mean, we fit this example here. Every single one of us. Why would the Apostle Paul start off by saying, don't be Agnoel before he leads into this? Because he's setting us up and saying, you know what, you're going you're gonna to say, well, no, that's not me, or you're not going to pay attention to this. You might be inclined to not even want to know about it. Very interesting, isn't it? He leads in to this. And then he starts to elaborate. And each one of these things builds off the other. And the first thing that we have to do, every single one of us, is we need to be eating the same pneumatikos meat. From the same table. Period. If we are going to be pneumatikos people, and we are, this is a principle. We cannot be eating from 15 or 20 different tables and grabbing this and grabbing that. It's just not the way God wants it to be. If we start doing that, 
we can subject ourselves to being pulled out and pulled away from this calling easily. And so what, what does that mean? It says they did all eat the same spiritual meat. So how is it? Just, just get one person that you know that you love and you, you, we still intercede on behalf of them that has been a wandering son that has drifted away and they're eating the husk even though they won't say that. They're not eating the best. And if they were honest, they would probably say, if they were honest, I stopped eating pneumatikos meat. The same meat. Okay, what is the same meat? The word same there means autos. A-U-T-O-S. It just becomes automatic. When you start eating something of this sort that involves the breath of God, the, spirit, the pneuma of God, <laughs> man, that's the best meat you can ever eat. So how does the enemy, how does he, how does he trick somebody? How does he... How does he do it, you know? I mean, I know it's deception, but it's still so subtle. Because I don't, it's not that he gets up here and he tries to, you know, he's got the pitchfork, you know, or whatever. It's, it's not that blatant. He's so crafty. How did he deceive Adam and Eve? Very subtly. He has a twisted sophistication. That is so conniving. I mean, it just, here, come on, have a little bit of bite of this. God's not going to do that. I mean, you can hear it in this, the, the smoothness of his voice slithering. Okay, and that's, that's kind of how he is. So I just, I just wonder. So to eat something means we take it in. It becomes a part of who we are, right? We take it in, and this is different than, you know, going and drinking a cup of coffee here. It didn't say eat the same or uh, uh, broccoli or, or, you know, whatever. It says meat. You know, meat is something that um, it, you take it in, but if you don't chew on it, you might choke on it. So chew or choke, that's the question. And a lot of times, people might not even want to chew it. They start chewing it, and they want to spit it out, right? I don't like that meat there. It's just a little bit too rare for me or I mean, whatever reason. So the things that we do in the natural really are a depiction of how people take meat and, and use it in the spiritual. So my point is, we need to continually eat the same pneumatikos meat that God's been providing for decades now. There's no new thing under heaven. There's no new revelation, hear me, that God hasn't already shared with us about being an intercessor and how he still looks for that, right? He's still looking. He hasn't decided, well, hmm, I don't know, that intercessor thing, that thing, it just didn't work too well. Look at that church over there. These people have decided they don't want to do that. I need to change it up a little bit. Maybe, no, he still looks for that. Is he still looking for somebody to become a... Um, um, an expert at knowing the, the winds of God? Yes, that's still part of it. Eat that meat. And that's where people start to get off is they, they start eating from another table. 
why leave this table? Man, the meat that's on there is just the best choice meat. You talk about filet mignon, this is it. We don't need to go anywhere else. To, you can't find this anywhere else. You know what I'm saying? How does how does someone um, Yeah, it is, it is deception. But it's usually drawn from something, something inside that individual. Boy, it's a, yeah, it's, a, it's that milk chocolate. Let me add that word to it. Milk chocolate versus dark chocolate. right it goes back to that iniquity that is in all of us that iniquity that was found in the enemy you want to believe <laughs> it's something you want so i guess that that's the I first that's not bad for me i want to believe that <laughs> dark chocolate's good for you <laughs> see so is red wine and delusion begins <laughs> <laughs> i think i'll have a sip of this one over here today you know but yeah i mean and we, and we know these principles, okay? So knowing a principle is not enough. And I started thinking about this. Now, I, I wrote down some additional notes here uh, as I was just thinking about it this morning. Now, I know in our country, now, I'm not, I, when I say this, please don't misunderstand me. i got to preface it with this. Some things are just common sense. And there are a lot of people that are brilliant minds that just when it came to common sense they just don't have any at all what do I mean by that what do you think God is focused on in this hour this is rhetorical just think about it with me what is his mind thinking in this hour what is his heart feeling in this hour do you think he now hear me out here do you think he's focused on going to look, coming over here and looking at Monica and Stacy and all of us and going, Monica, you don't have that mask on. You better put that mask on, right? I don't think he's focused on a mask. Do you think he's focused on going, well, Monica, you forgot to wash your hands there. You know, you, gotta, you think he's focused on washing hands? I'm just saying politically what some focal points. We should be doing all that stuff anyway, protecting ourselves and protecting others, regardless if there's a mask or not. Washing our hands. It's just, what? It's like, really? Is that all you've got to focus on is wearing a mask, washing your hands? Oh, there's five and a half feet. Oh, six feet. Let me get over a half more feet here. Is God focused on those things? No, but the enemy and other voices are just blanketing everything that we're doing with those types of things what is God looking at there are lots of people that honor God with their lips with words but their heart is so far from him so what is God what is God looking at he's looking at the heart of a person 
God is a God that he, he, he doesn't care about words. He wants words combined with action. When he sees those two, that is what can get his attention. If he sees Nancy talking about the importance of intercession to people all around her and sharing with people, but then she never intercedes, uh-oh, there's something going wrong there, right? But when he sees both of those, her talking about it and then her doing it, boy, he responds. So he focuses on things totally different, but the enemy's trying to get us to focus on all these other things. And we must stay laser-focused. And one of those things is making sure we ingest the same pneumaticus meat. We have to. If we don't, we will not make it. Because this is only the beginning of the pains that are coming. Jesus prophesied that. And so we honor God with our words and our actions. I mean, if you think about it, how, how do I know God is a God of action? Boy, when he says something, he does it, right? I mean, for example, here, here's one example. All throughout the Old Testament, he prophesied that he was going to be sending his son into the to redeem mankind back to God, right? If he never did that, we would start to question God, right? And go, hey, man, you didn't do what you said you were going to do, right? But we know he did. He's not impressed with mere words. And what we have to do is we have to really look because our heart, even a born-again individual, can become desperately wicked. I'm just saying, he knows the human heart. He made it. And in the discussion, the Pharisees were, were complaining, and they were beyond complaining. They were saying, your disciples, they are not washing their hands before they eat. And he turns and he says, it's not, what the, it's not what goes into the body that defiles the man. It's what comes out. And his disciples are still perplexed. They didn't get it. And so Peter comes over to him and says, Lord, we don't, what do you mean? He said, do you not still understand what I'm trying to say to you? And eventually he starts to say, the things that that's come out of your mouth are the things that bring defilement. Not the things that you eat. And so my point is, and we're not focused on this, but we don't focus on wearing the mask. We don't focus on any of the other agendas that are out there right now. We focus on eating and ingesting the, the same spiritual meat and continuing in this walk the same way that we started. There's no new plan. There's no new mission. It's the same. Okay. Here's, here's one more action example. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He wants action. Because he knows what's in here comes out through your words. Somebody that's word-oriented will always say one thing and do another. And boy, we can spot that a mile away, any of us. I hate that. I like, I like, I like action. I'm an action person. And when I see people saying this and they never do it, I'm like, okay, I'm not having anything to do with them anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm about action. And so is God. So we're eating the same spiritual meat. 
And then he continues in verse 4. And he says, we need to drink the same pneumatikos drink. And he says, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drink of that pneumatikos rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. Wow, he's even, he's even telling us what we need to be. We need to be gulping in things that are related to Christ. Becoming an anointed son. Gulping it. Taking it in. Drinking it in. When we step away from that, what happens? Mm, I don't know about this sonship stuff. I think I'm going to go over here and, you know, that's a big deal for the causes right now. You know, you got the Black Lives Matters, you know. I mean, we could talk all day long about all the stuff that's going on. It just, Jesus said, for this cause, I came into the world. He came to pattern for us. He came to redeem us back to God first, but he came to pattern what, what an anointed son should be like in the earth. And now he's telling us through the Apostle Paul, drink of that rock and that rock that followed them in that wilderness. In the wilderness, sonship can follow us. Anointing can follow us in the wilderness. We need to focus on this and not, not be swayed by what the mega churches are pronouncing. You know, those people that are doing a great work in the kingdom, that, we're not damning them at all. But what we're saying to every one of them, every one of them, is there is something deeper in God for you and your people. And I say something because it may not be exactly the, what, what we are in, in the body. Because we're many-membered body, right? Does God want all people to be intercessors? Yes, so we can proclaim that over them, but... Anyway, let's drink from the same cup. Look at what happens in verse 5. But with many of them, Theos was not well pleased. Not well pleased there is Eudokia. And it means he didn't think very well of them because of how they responded or how they acted in the midst of being in the wilderness. All being under the cloud, all going through the sea. Man, I mean, if you, let, let, let's, let's rewind. Let's say you were there with Moses, and you're, let's say you are the leader, and you've heard from God, and he says, take the rod that I've given you, go and stand. The sea is raging. <laughs> I mean, it's raging, and you're the, you're the person that's heard from God, and people are following you. That's, that's, that's a really unique situation, right? It's not real far-fetched from where we are. I mean, we're not in front of a, a physical sea. You know, right now there's certain pockets that are <laughs> a raging sea. But we faced insurmountable. There is nothing, let me say this, there is nothing that is insurmountable. There is nothing that is insurmountable. In God. He can do all things. So rather than looking at an obstacle as something that, oh, it can't be removed. Okay, that's the first wrong declaration right there. And we all do it. Instead of saying, oh, the barrier's too big, what we're really saying is, oh, God, you can't remove that. Really, that's what we're saying. 
So we need to say, God, all things are possible. Nothing is insurmountable. I don't care how big it is. It doesn't matter. God can help. So in this case, whenever they're there, it says they were overthrown in the wilderness. So hence, this is where I've gotten this title, overthrown or overcoming. That is the question. This is a choice by all of us. I don't think anyone in this room wants God to, the displeasure of God to be upon you, do you? No. I don't think some of the people that decided they're going to go another pathway wanted that either. In fact, they think they're still doing the work of the Lord, just like Saul. <laughs> I mean, it's so deceiving. I really, I really don't think that at the throne, I can't remember a time ever being there, and God starts talking to me about a social cause. Never. Ever. <laughs> I guarantee, if pastor was standing, or any of you, have you ever heard God whispering to you, hey, jump on board with that, that, that movement there on the earth, that, thing, that, that, that new fad that's come along. Has he ever said something about to you? So, but there, there, are, there are droves of people that are just, I mean, this is affecting every area of our planet. It looks insurmountable, right? Nothing is insurmountable. God is getting ready to move. His spirit makes everything surmountable. Not by might, nor by any power we've got, but it's by his breath. And I'm believing, like that dream, among many other things that God's releasing, that Megas Joy is going to dominate our city and cities all over this world. So it says that there were many people that, that he was not well pleased with. So it didn't say all of them. So there were others that were, that were walking through that, that sea on that dry ground and came onto the other side that God was pleased with. And I believe that's people like us. Let's, let's turn the page here. Page two. Now, the next several things that we're going to list here, like lust and idolatry, these things take on many different forms. And just like these pneumaticos people in the Old Testament faced them, we face this in our day in a lot of ways. So in verse 6 it said, Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after kakos things. Why would we want to lust after kakos things? Kakos, obviously, you know, if you look at it, it's, it's something that gets crusted over. Or it's something that's really worthless. So why would we want to get involved with anything like that? The refuse of this world. As they also lusted. And that's the word epithemeo. And it means to you, you set your heart upon something or you, you long for it. Every one of us has longings on the inside we all have that capability on the inside what are we going to long for what are we going to set our heart upon 
What should we be setting our heart upon is the real question. So when it, when it reads lust here, it specifically says what they were lusting after. This had no sexual connotation at all. Kakos, well, let me rephrase that. It could have that connotation, but it means something much more than just that. Because I can long for anything in this world. I can long for riches. I can long for uh, a bigger, bigger barn. I mean, anything, could, you could lust after it. It's that longing. And then he continues in verse 7, and he says, Neither be idolaters, as some of them, as it is written, the people sat down, they began to eat, drink, and they rose up to play. <laughs> a childlike activity. That's what play there means. It's like a childlike sport or an activity. And, and again, what exactly does it mean to be an idolater? Does it mean you got... A, a, an image of a, a Buddha here, and you're going to bow down to, yes. But it's not the physical act of just worshiping something physical. It's what's going on in here that God's after. Idolatry starts in the heart. And any of us in this room can go after other idols. But so many times, everybody just focuses on big Buddha back there. No, I'm, I'm talking about the statue. Um, or whatever. It's not just the structure. What's going on in here? There are Christians that have, we, that have idols, that they, 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 they long for this or they long for, they've set their heart upon the main goal in their life is to make more money. That can become an idol when you're a Christian because it can lead you out, lead you astray quickly because you're driven. That's, you eat it, you sleep it, you drink it, that's all you think of. You don't even think about God. Or if you do, it's just, now I lay me down to sleep. Da, 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 da. And you just say that little ritual prayer and off to sleep you go. <laughs> so he's addressing a pneumatikos people here. We've got to be really careful. Then next, let us neither commit fornication as some of them did, and they fell in one day, three and 20,000. Fornication again. There's always an emphasis on the sexual nature of it. That's there. But fornication means you give your passion that should be driven in going after the Lord to something else. That principle applies there too. Then next he says in verse 9, Tempting Christ leads to destruction by serpents. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and they were destroyed of serpents. So there's this inner um, temptation. It says tempt Christ. That's, that's a really interesting phrase. Tempting the anointing that he's trying to provide in the wilderness. Wow, I mean, that, 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 that's another teaching all by itself. And then he comes into murmuring. Murmuring mobilizes a destroyer. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 10. Neither murmur, grumble, or complain is the equivalent. As some of them murmured, and they were destroyed of the destroyer. All of these are listed in this passage about eating the same spiritual meat, eating the, uh, or drinking the same pneumatikos meat. People like us will be tempted in these ways. 
But then he doesn't just go through that list without providing a way of escape. In verses 11 through 14, it says, Now all these things happen unto them for in samples, and they are written down for our admonition. Admonition there means so we can call attention to. Uh, it's here for our, our a warning to us, to let us know not to do these things upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinks he histemes take heed lest he fall. Interesting here. So there's a focus on us remaining humble and not haughty because when we get, if we ever get to a point where we think we're all that, we could fall. But he says the way that you don't, that that doesn't happen is you take heed. And the word there is blepo, and it's a vision term. It means to look at, pay attention. Look around. See what's really happening. Very crucial for us. I think that's, that's important. Therefore, there's no temptation, but as such as common to man, but Theos is faithful. <laughs> Theos is pistis, who will not suffer. And the word phrase there means he's not going to just stand back and let it be or leave you alone or leave us alone in the midst of it. But he's going to provide a way of escape so that we can, we're able, or dunamai, so that we have the ability to function in it. And with the temptation, he's going to make a way of escape. So he's not removing it, but he says in the midst of whatever is testing you or trying you or the adversity that's coming, I'm going to provide a way of escape so that you can still function in the dunamai and be able to bear it, which means to be able to undergo the hardship or whatever it is you're facing and not let it overcome you or overtake you. And then he says in verse 14, Wherefore, my beloved, dearly beloved, agapatos, that's us, those that are moving in the agape, flee from idolatry. So it's like he puts an emphasis on the end of it. He says, you know what? Flee, and the word there just means to run away from, shun, get away from it. What is it? Idolatry to a pneumaticos group of people. He didn't say murmuring. He didn't say fornication. He said idolatry. It's in the heart. And God wants what? Our hearts to be following after him. And then I'm going to try to conclude here. I'm not going to go through any all of this at all. I'm going to end with. He starts talking about two tables and two cups. The table of the Lord. The cup of blessing versus the table of the enemy. And the cup of, of, of the enemy as well. So you can go back and read it. It's, this is all connected. And he says in verse 21, he says, You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demonic beings, devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils. Wow. I hadn't seen this continuity of flow from verse 1 all the way through here till now. The enemy's got a table. 
Boy, he's got a spread, doesn't he? I mean, saying that doesn't mean we're giving him credence. We're just saying we're not ignorant of his devices. He's got a table of murmuring. He's got a table of iniquity. He's got a table. I mean, we could go down the line, right? We, as long as we can identify that table and say, you know what? Shun it. Get away from it. Eat off this table of the Lord over here. That's what we have to do. This is so important for all of us. It's so important for me, you, everybody in the network. Eat from the Lord's table. Drink from his cup. Paul says this as he concludes. I'm I'm jumping down. You have to go back and look at the rest of this. We're just out of time. Paul focuses on verse 23. He says, all things are lawful. Paul, interesting, right? Lawful, not lawless for me. But all things are not expedient. Not expedient means not everything is advantageous. Not everything is beneficial or useful or profitable. And then he says again, all things are lawful to me, but all, but all things edify not. He's focusing on things that are going to build up the body architecturally. It's, this is so interesting to me. And then basically he goes through and he says, whatever is presented to you, if you're invited to a feast, you go and you partake, you eat, you take it in, participate. But then he says, if you come to someone and they say, this has been a sacrifice unto an idol, he said, eat not. That is a prophetic word to all of us. If we are invited to something, to participate in something that is demonic or idolatrous, God says, you better not eat of that and you better shun it and run away from it. We've got to do that. We've got to do that. And then he concludes it. He says, Eating, drinking, and actions, let everything be done to the glory of God. Whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, and that means things that lead people into missing the mark or or sin, neither to the Jews, the Gentiles, nor to the church of Theos. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they might be saved. That was his ultimate reason for doing all of this, was that he wanted some to step into being sozo, being made whole. And so with that, I'm going to conclude and stop. I know this is a lot to think about. I know it has been for me and will continue to be. But Lord, thank you for the opportunity to share with my, my family here and those that are across the world. Help us all to eat and drink the same spiritual meat as we move forward as a people. And I ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen.